This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I've got some interesting guests during the middle of football season, but it's close enough to basketball season. And of course, Sherelle McMillan's always uh, welcome on the podcast year-round, Sherelle. We do these year-round. Not enough for some people, but we're getting them worked in. And I've got Dewey Burke. Dewey's out. I guess you're still in the Mile High City, Dewey, because y'all got yeah, some man. Weird, you got some weird, weird weather going on out there, don't you? Let me tell you something. I played golf yesterday, and it was 82, and it is now 24 and snowed four inches today. So I don't know what to, I don't even know how to comprehend that. Yeah, you might start preparing for the end game, man. That sounds like the apocalypse <laughs> out there. <laughs> yesterday it's, was better than today. I can tell you that. That is uh that is crazy, but uh it was a hundred maybe here Thursday, and then it was sixty something on Saturday. Wasn't it something like that, Sherelle? It's yeah, crazy. It's, it's great weather. It, it is perfect weather now. Uh, let's dig into this podcast a little bit, uh, Sherelle. We talked off air a little bit. I want to bring you in first and get both y'all's opinions on the impact maybe of Kendall Marshall and. Uh, the importance of Sean May on Roy Williams' staff or a part of Roy Williams' team. I know there's a lot of limitations of what those guys can do. Um, Roy Williams talked about it a little bit at ACC Media Day. Um, but, Sherelle, your thoughts on having May, he's been there, but Kendall Marshall now is a part, I guess, director of recruiting or, or whatever his title is. How important? is that for this uh, this program maybe here in 2019? Well, Roy Williams definitely downplayed it um, in the media sessions between UNC Media Day last week and ACC Operation Basketball in Charlotte uh, on Tuesday. But I do think it's important. Um, anytime you can get differing perspectives, anytime Coach Williams will allow differing perspectives on how to do things, on what's working, on what's not working, I think it's a positive for UNC because – when you're as successful as he's been for so long, it's very easy to say, I've done it this way. It works. I'm not changing. So I, I think you, um, while he's not necessarily changing, I do think you see him adapting to the environment in which he's currently in, which is social media heavy, which is, you know, graphics, which is um, just a, a lot of things that maybe uh, Roy Williams isn't very comfortable with and that he's allowing because he knows that, that's the environment he's in. The, the all-access show is an example. Um, you've seen the increased presence on social media from UNC. Um, you've seen, you know, more videos, that kind of thing. I think Kendall and Sean May both play into that. But in the end, you know, it's still 
North Carolina. It's still the assistant coaches on the road. It's still Roe Williams closing on official visits. So that's not changing. I think this is more of an enhancement than an overall change in philosophy. Dewey, your thoughts on that? And also, uh, you know, freshmen can talk to the media now. And a lot of people don't see that as that big a deal. I know it's the case at other schools, but that's just – that is a huge change, I think, for North Carolina, for Roy Williams to decide to let that slide. But talk about Kendall Marshall, Sean May, and then and then your take on that new sort of new era in media and how Roy Williams allows his freshmen now to deal with it. Sure. You know, obviously the fact that Kendall and Sean aren't on the road inhibits them from directly being involved in the actual recruiting of the guys. But – you know, I think it is a big change because since Coach got there, I know we had Coach Hass and we had C.B. McGrath. They were former players of his, but they were always, or at least this is not a knock on them, felt so much older than us when we were there. Um, and they didn't play at Carolina for Coach that it never really felt like he had any of his former players, or at least obviously no former Carolina players on staff. And to go from that, to now you have two guys whose jerseys are in the rafters intimately involved with the program and around the guys every day. And then around the recruits, when they come on their visits, official or unofficial, that's a big difference because these guys that are juniors and seniors, there's a chance they remember watching Kendall. They probably don't remember watching Sean, but they remember watching Kendall and all the guys he played with and how many NBA players he was uh, on our team with. So I think that is a fundamental difference in what the experience is for recruits on campus because you got to remember, and it certainly didn't hurt recruiting back then, but back when I was around, the only coaches that the staff were around were Coach Holiday, Coach Robinson, CB, and Jared. And none of those guys played at Carolina. And so now it's just, it's just got to be a different conversation, I would think. Um, they're younger. Uh, I mean, they're African-American. That's also a difference, right? You know, Coach Rob for the longest time has been the only African-American on staff. Now we have Coach Rob, Hubert, and Kendall, and Sean. I do think that's relevant. Um, so it's just, a, it's just a different approach that Coach has gone to by bringing those guys back. And uh, I think it's nothing but positive. I don't think there's any, any way around that. And then some of the quotes from Ross's article today, you see what B-Rob was talking about. Those are the guys that that they go to. When we played, we went to Coach Holiday. He was our guy, even though he was much older. He just was the one who related most to the, all the players or most of the players. And now you could see and I could envision guys gravitating to Sean and Kendall, even though they're not, quote, coaches. Uh, so I think it's great. And they're, they're obviously both very cerebral, uh, cerebral players and, you know, were not just good players for us, but great. Uh, on the media thing, I understand that it's strange, you know, coach Williams kept that policy in place from coach Smith. And so it's just different, but, you know, I suppose they thought, especially with one and duns and and guys that are only around for eight, nine months, don't do anything to maybe limit their experience. And I know coach said that take a guy like Cole Anthony, he's traveled around the world. He's won a gold medal in another country. He played for an NBA player, or excuse me, his dad was an NBA player. Uh, just a different beast and uh, adapting is not a, is not a bad thing. You know, coach Williams evolving, I think is, is nothing but good. 
I agree with that. I think it's been fascinating to see how he's evolved over the years at Carolina. Let me uh, let me stay on the first part of that question. And I know I kind of blended two more complex questions together, but Sherelle, do we mention mentor and being able to go to guys and talk? I hear people all the time, whether it's in the workplace or anywhere, saying, "I, you know, I want, I need a mentor, or I've got this person as a mentor," or I think that is probably as big a, a deal as it may be more so than the recruiting portion of it. Um, or am I just thinking and being sappy and thinking that, but I think like B Rob talks about being able to go to Kendall and go to those guys and talk. I think having people that have shared experiences certainly uh, is a big deal, especially in this day and age. Yeah. We've heard uh, a good amount of things from, players about Hubert Davis actually kind of being that person. If you listen to the senior speeches over the last couple of years, there always seems to be, you know, one or two players who talk about coach Davis and the motivational texts and um, the late night conversations, you know, and then he is a person of faith. So they talk about their faith as well. Um, I know, you know, just direct, I know that uh, Nasir Little, his family, they really leaned on Hubert Davis during some tough times during his season in North Carolina. I know Kenny Williams and Justin Jackson and Luke may have that same story. So um, having, you know, like he's like Dewey said, like everybody said, having someone you can go and kind of talk to uh, not just about basketball, but about life is really important. And uh, Hubert Davis from what we've been told and what we've heard has, has really uh, filled in that, um, that role a, a good deal. And I think it's something that he learned from coach Smith and that he wants to kind of take on to the next generation and be the ambassador uh, for Carolina basketball. So, he, you know, you can kind of see how it's going from coach Smith to coach Williams now to coach Davis and so on and so on. And, and I would add, and then Tommy, I'll let you get to your next question. I, and I think I've said this on this podcast before Hubert Davis is the nicest human being I've ever met in my life. I mean, there is no way there is anyone out there that does not like him. It's impossible. He is the most genuine, happy, warm, inviting, amazing guy that you'll ever meet. And that's not even having anything to do with the bias that obviously I, we have as Carolina guys and, and loving the program and everything like that. I mean, there's not a soul that doesn't love that guy that's, that's interacted with him. And he really is that good of a guy, that humble uh, as Rel said, he's a man of faith. It's a family of faith. So if you go to the Davis house, uh, there's just a way that it feels when you're there. And I can imagine being an 18, 19 year old kid, first time away from home, gravitating to him. Uh, but I mean it guys, I, I swear to God, he is the nicest person I have ever met in my life. I don't doubt it. Uh, I mean, I, we were in school together at the same time um, and had some interactions. He certainly, of course, doesn't remember. Um, but he was always the nicest person around, always. And to see how he would interact with kids at those the barnstorm and stuff and just things like that. I mean, he was. I agree with you. He's, he's one of the nicest people I've seen from afar. Um, let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt before we get into the meat of the podcast. Of course, Johnny T-Shirt, sponsor of this podcast and a very valuable member or, or part of the IC community. They certainly look after our subscribers with 10% off every order, whether it's online or on Franklin Street. And they always outfit everybody, every Carolina fan you could imagine. 
if you go to Johnny T-shirt, you're not going to be without. If it's Carolina gear you need, shoes, clothes, hats, uh, tailgate supplies, anything you need online and on Franklin Street. They're alumni owned and operated, and they're certainly one of the – they are the nicest uh, – group of folks in the business and they're uh, great sponsors for this podcast let's talk about this team and Dewey I'll start with you first um, Cole Anthony is certainly getting all the accolades so we might as well start with him I remember on these podcasts and talking with you last year before anybody really knew uh, how good Kobe White was going to be you you had said that they think he's the real deal um, Cole Anthony certainly comes with a pedigree and the hype given you know what he's been through and what he's done over the course of his high school career but your thoughts on now having another maybe another alpha coming in at the point guard position and how important that'll be for this team yeah no I I distinctly remember having that conversation with you about about Kobe right after we were down there for when they named the court after coach Williams and, and getting a chance to spend a couple of days with the staff and with Sean and, and Kendall and them just being blown away by him after only a couple of weeks of, uh, of summer school and, and the early part of August, that, uh, that conversation is really mirrored by what I've been hearing as it relates to Cole. And this, the crazy thing is that uh, one of the conversations I had was, it's, you know, the extent of it was he might be better. It's hard to say because, you know, Kobe just went in the top 10, but he, he might be better than Kobe. Uh, I, I'm in a, I'm in a place of, I need to see that <laughs> to believe that good as Kobe was. But uh, one of the things I found interesting about coach's comments at ACC media day, I think it was at media day or at a, whatever it was uh, that he hasn't had to yell at him once. Uh, I mean, that's astounding to read, to be honest with you guys, um, especially early part of practice. Just it's the dog days, guys. I mean, you're the, these are as long as practices can possibly be a lot of conditioning at the end. And you're you're getting your body prepared for the grind of the season. So it, they're long days and, and and you throw some lifting in there and your sores can be. And for him not to have to have had to get on Cole one time. That is, I almost don't believe it. Uh, it's that is incredible. And the second thing that amazed me is that he complimented Cole on how hard he plays defensively. And a lot of times, I mean, we've talked about this over the years. As a point guard coming into coach's system, especially one that's going to get handed the ball, there's so much going through your head offensively. Secondary break, how everything is predicated off the decisions you make. Uh, trying to get guys the ball in the right spots. If you're a scoring point guard like he seems to be, figuring out when to pick and choose your own spots to go get your own, figuring all that stuff, stuff out, making the right calls, calling the defense, looking over to coach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then coach is complimenting him defensively. I mean, it's just, again, it's just reading tea leaves. But that to me is unique. I, I feel like if we went back and read the first press conference in Raymond's sophomore year, Ty's freshman year, Kendall's freshman year, Kobe, even early on, what he, what coach said publicly, it wasn't this glowing. So that's impressive to me. Shreel, your thoughts on that? I mean, they're very different players and personalities, but I tend to uh, trend towards Dewey. I, I need to see it before I believe all the hype. Um, you've seen him plenty. 
at least on a high school and on a all-star and on a circuit stage, but uh, your thoughts on the hype and, and all of that other stuff that goes into the Cole Anthony effect of this team. Well, I'll, I'll answer that by asking a question and this uh, is for uh, Dewey too. Um, I, I, you're more familiar with this than me. Has a freshman ever won, like had the fastest time in the Carolina mile or met all their tough times and all that. I mean, I got a great story. I got a great story about that. So we we have a group text guys I played with and and Hoots who's on staff, obviously he's one of our great friends. And and so me and Tyler and Bobby and Wes and Marcus, um, you know, we talk every day. We text about something, mostly complete nonsense, but um, Hoots texts us that day and he says, guess who won the 12 minute run? And all the guesses that came through, B-Rob, Justin Pierce, maybe he came in in great shape, you know, da 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 And he says, Cole, period, Anthony, period. No one guessed that. So here's what that tells you, right? We talked about a 12-minute run, and, Rel, we did this on your weekly update. That is purely a test to see what you did in the three weeks in between summer session ending and school starting and if you didn't do enough they can tell because you left in great shape if you didn't do a lot in three weeks you lose it a little bit and you suffer in a 12-minute run so all that means is he went home to new york wherever he went and busted his ass and got in even better shape that he could smoke everyone else and win the 12-minute run and then like you said make all of his tough times as a freshman I think Bobby might have done that, Bobby Fraser, because he was in such good condition as a freshman, but it hadn't happened often. You know, so this all these little things, and I'll throw it back to you, Rel, it's just rare, right? It's rare. How could he never get on coach's bad side even once? How is he already picking up what he's supposed to do defensively? How is he already winning conditioning? You're not supposed to know how to do all these things at this point. You know, now granted it helps that your dad played in the league and he'd been getting mentored on this stuff for a long time, but still to come and do it and have that kind of drive, it's just, he's different. I mean, that's clear. I need to see it on the court, but he's clearly different. So I asked that question because to me, the on the court stuff is already, to me, that's done. Like he's, people have seen him enough to know that he's a really good basketball player. The question about Cole Anthony coming into college or the questions were, a, can he be a leader? And B, is he going to work hard enough considering he's got a lottery ticket? He just has to, you know, not mess around and do anything crazy. And he'll be a top five or 10 pick in the draft, regardless of what he does in college. We saw last year with Darius Garland, he played one NBA game, and I believe he was a top five pick, went ahead of Kobe. Um, so, you know, what you do your year in college isn't necessarily um, indicative of where you're going to get picked. Um, so, like I said, He's done everything. He's proven everything on the court. These scouts have seen enough. They're sold. It was, is he going to come in and work hard? Is he going to be a leader? Is he going to get along with his teammates? Is he going to do everything that Coach Williams asked him to do? Or is this just a pit stop? Is he going to buy in? And I think what you just said, Dewey, and then what we've seen and what we've heard Roy Williams say shows that he's completely bought in, that he's willing to be a leader, that he's, you know, at North Carolina, not just to, you know, be there for nine months, but to make an impression um, to try to be someone who's remembered forever. And to me, the, the question's already answered. It's just a matter of him now just being on the court and games actually starting. But whether or not he's going to be successful, I think that's already answered. It's high praise from Sherelle. High praise uh, 
um, all around for Cole Anthony, you know, I, I need to see it. And uh, I'm not usually like that because I usually buy into the hype. Um, but I need to see it. So I'm going to go to Twitter, ask some questions, and it keeps it easy for me. I don't have to come up with any uh, fancy questions. But Sherelle and Dewey, who backs up Cole Anthony at the point guard? He's not going to play 40 minutes a night. And we know Leaky Black's had some issues. So, Sherelle? Uh, are we sure he's not going to play 40 minutes a night? I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's going to play about 37. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, people. Do you think he'll play that much? Do you, I do. Do you really think? Yeah, I, I mean, do. you know, we, we've talked about it and talking cl- to people close to, to UNC, you know, they felt like they've had to play Kobe and they had to play uh, Joel Berry his senior year. And, you know, back in the day, Raymond, they felt like they had to play those guys 37, 38 minutes a game to win games. Kendall, uh, after uh, Larry Drew transferred out, he had to play 36, 37 minutes a game. And it's not abnormal for Roy Williams to do it. Now, I think he would prefer to have that be closer to, you know, 31, 32, so he can play his preferred pace. But, you know, Cole, we, we've said this since he committed, like, I, it's just so weird to me and so strange and so new and different that he's getting he the keys. He said he didn't want the keys to be handed to him he's not going to get him handed to him. He's going to take him. He's already kind of done it. And, you know, anything he can handle, he's going to get thrown at him. And he's going to, he's going to have the ball in his hands. His usage rate is going to be so high. I, I just, it's incredible for me. It's kind of fun to look forward to just because we've really never seen it this way um, in North Carolina. But to answer your question. Yeah. I think as long as Leakey stays healthy, he is, he'll function as the secondary facilitator. I'm trying to get away from, backup point guard and that kind of nomenclature just because things have changed a little bit like Cole is a lead guard um he's you know we're calling him the most complete point guard he's recruited you know in North Carolina then Leakey you know he's he's a point guard but he's he is six seven and a half so there are some limitations but there also are some advantages of you know his height his uh basketball acumen his passing ability and that sort of thing and then after that um, you know, I think it's really a toss up. If Anthony Harris could get healthy, I think he could help there. Um, and then, um, you know, then you get down to, to KJ Smith and, and even Christian Keeling a little bit, depending upon, you know, really the health of Leaky. I just can't believe if he plays 38 minutes a game, I we'll see. Like I said, I got to see it. Well, I don't, I don't think he will like average 38 minutes a game, but once he gets into ACC play, I, I don't think you'll see him much lower than 35. I, I agree. That is uh okay. We we will revisit this. Y'all are probably right, um, but that's a lot of minutes running at Roy Williams's pace. And uh, I understand he's in shape and all, but I guess we'll see. Uh, Dewey, question for you: um, Aside from Cole Anthony and his performances, because I think we all agree, and I think everybody agrees that this season rides on how good he is, or could for the most part. But who else? Who who's the next most important person on this basketball team in your eyes for Carolina to have some success? I'm with coach on this. I think Leakey is our is our next most important player. His versatility, his length on the wing, his ability to defend. Clearly he can play point guard, distribute, take a little pressure off of Cole, because Cole can really score from everything I've read. So you'd love to see us have the capacity to let Leakey play the point and let Cole play off the ball a little bit and create. Cole's brilliant in the pick and roll. Um, I've both seen that in person in drills when I was down there in September and just reading and watching video. So 
it just to me, it's no question that it's leaky. I know we need development out of Armando in the, in the paint and, uh, and we need shooting. That's our going to be, I think our biggest question. You saw coach Williams say that scoring is proving to be difficult thus far because we've got a lot of shooting to replace, you know, particularly Cam and Luke. Um, so I wouldn't even after, after leaky, I wouldn't even say a, a player. I would say a statistic is how well can we shoot the ball from the perimeter? because it's, it's become a game of making outside shots. And I do think we're going to be fortunate to play more inside out than we had the last couple of years with the addition of Armando. And, uh, and obviously the year after that, we're definitely going to be able to do that a lot with the recruits we have coming, but we got to shoot the ball. We got to make shots because if we struggle there, they're going to be able to pack it in. It's going to be hard for Cole to penetrate and get to the rim, which he likes to do. And it's just going to bog down our offense. So, to me, it's leaky, and then it's how well do we shoot the ball. Shreya, you agree with that? And and who are going to be those shooters? I mean, Justin Pierce and Keeling, I would think, need to step up, especially Keeling. Um, I think he's going to get a lot of shots in this offense and a lot of opportunities to, to shoot the three ball. So who steps up in that regard? I mean, who am I to argue with Roy Williams about who <laughs> the most important person on the team is outside of Cole? Um, but to be fair, I, I did say that in one of our off-season podcasts. You can go back and check the tape, uh, no, but I'm missing. Um, yeah, I, I think Armando um, is a key. Well, I'll get to the shooting in a second. But, you know, since Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks left, and it's no fault of anyone's, but they just haven't been able to throw the ball in the post when need be and say to someone and say, go get us two points. Um, Luke could do that from time to time, but he had some limitations, especially height. Um, and, you know, he just was more comfortable, I think, you know, shooting from the perimeter, um, doing some of the pull-up stuff, doing more of the stretch four stuff that um, Ro Williams now wants in his offense. He's going to get from Walker Kessler in, in the 2020 class. Uh, so I think Armando, his learning curve, depending upon how it goes, I think really, really can can help North Carolina a ton. We talk about space and angles and all that stuff. Well, it'll help a lot if North Carolina can throw the ball into Armando and, you know, have defenses collapse on him, double team him, and he's a pretty good passer. And that's another way you can get open threes, even if the team isn't a great three-point shooting team. So um, I think Armando is a key for his offensive production in the paint and also him and Brooks. When North Carolina hasn't shot well from three uh, in the past, they've beaten teams because they've been so good on the boards, offensive rebounding. They they basically get 10 to 15 more shots than their opponents. So I think that is another thing that's going to be big for UNC um, when they, as it looks like they're going to go back to two bigs in the starting lineup. Uh, it's just going to be beating teams on, on the glass and, and getting extra shots for their perimeter players. Um, as far as who's going to make them, yeah, I think the, the verdict is still out. That is probably, the to me, the biggest question mark about the team. Um, Robinson shot well last year in limited minutes. Um, can he do that at 25 minutes a game as opposed to you know 13 or 14? You know, freshmen at North Carolina typically don't shoot well. And um, I'm not sure exactly why that is. Maybe it's complexity. Maybe it's, you know, um, just getting used to the rigors of the ACC. But that is something to watch for as well with uh, Cole Anthony shooting from the perimeter. Excuse me. And then Keeling and Pierce, while we think they're both good players, it's just unknowns because they haven't played this level of competition night in and night in and night out. They played it sporadically, but not you know, every single day, not Tuesday and then Saturday and then Monday and then Sunday and so on and so forth. So uh, I do think the perimeter shooting probably is the biggest question mark. 
Dewey, Sherelle brings up a good point there. How big a difference or how big a deal do you think the ramping up of the competition is for these grad transfers? I mean, because it is, it's a big difference in the ACC. It is. And, you know, when I was down there in September, I didn't see Justin play. He was a little nicked up. But uh, I saw Christian. And in the pickup I watched, he shot it really well. But he's small. Um, he, he, you know, he doesn't look like, uh, that's, you know, looks can be deceiving, but he doesn't look like a prototypical ACC wing player. He's, he's little. Uh, but then you see that he averaged like six rebounds, which is so impressive, uh, especially even more so now that I've seen him in person. I, I, you know, I, I would venture to guess he's a pretty damn tough kid and he makes up for his lack of size with the, with the heart and the way he plays and he's got a nice stroke. So, it's interesting, and I'm going to paint the picture this way. You know, I think the learning curve as far as the level of competition, the pace of play, the strength of the players is a more of an adjustment for freshmen than it will be for the grad transfers. But then the freshmen have more natural talent. So the grad transfers are not going to be surprised by the pace, the size, the skill, the strength. But they're also they got recruited where they got recruited for a reason, right? And now they've come up to this level, and they are who they are at this point. So nothing will surprise them. Uh, it's just can they compete? And obviously, Coach Williams feels like that, that, that they can. There's no reason to doubt that. Um, so that's how I think about it, right? The freshmen they'll be more wide-eyed early, maybe not cold, but everybody is to a certain extent. You know, you go play a mid or low major in your first couple games. And you can't believe how strong and fast those guys are at their level, let alone ACC players. So that adjustment is different uh, for those guys, but they've got way more talent. So that's how I think about that. Nothing will surprise these grad transfers and nothing has to this point as, as far as how to manage your schedule, how to do your, do your work off the court, how to take care of your body, all those things. They've got that. That's easy. It's just, are they good enough? That's my only question. And what we're going to find out. Um, cause it's like you said, well, it's one thing to, to play it sporadically. And it's another thing when it's North Carolina state, Virginia, Virginia tech, Clemson, Duke, you know, tournament team after tournament team after tournament team in their building, in your building, in their building, it's just a different deal. So we'll see, hopefully they're up to it. Yep. Got a bunch more questions for you guys, but I'm going to take a short break. Come back. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. We'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. We're back with Inside Carolina Podcast. Dewey Burke, Sherelle McMillan. Great question here from Jonathan Owens on Twitter. Uh, Sherelle, who's going to have the Bryce Johnson jump? And maybe the Kennedy Meeks jump? Uh, you know, you are what you are after, <laughs> after multiple years, but then you turn out not to be who we thought you were, and you turn out to be, like, pretty good. I feel so bad. We, were, I mean, we didn't dog Bryce, but it was just like, oh, Bryce Johnson, he'll have a good senior year. But, you know, we killed he's kind him of, there. <laughs> he's kind of, he's showing what he is and, you know, he's not going to do much. And then he has one of the 
you know, maybe 10 or 15 best seasons in Carolina history. It just, it, it never, it never ceases to amaze me. Um, I think, you know, there's really only three options, honestly, um, just because of playing time and health is Garrison, B-Rob or Leakey. Um, and I guess, you know, just to be different, I'll, I'll go with Garrison because um, he's a player who's gotten better every single year. And it's just funny to look back, you know, in 2017, because, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the story, but I think anybody listening to this podcast is familiar with it. But he originally signed with Mississippi State after most people thought he was going to North Carolina. Then he got released from Mississippi State and signed with North Carolina late in the fall. And, uh, you know, Carolina fans were like, well, they already have Braden Huffman and Sterling Manley. Why do they need a third big man? And now there's, you know, Brooks is going to be a guy who starts every game the last three years of his career. You know, he's going to be a three-year starter at UNC. He's going to play, you know, uh, hundred and however how many games. He's going to have 100 wins as a starter. You know, all those kind of things that you expect to hear for, you know, these great players in Carolina history. So that out of the way, um, you know, a- uh, Adrian Atkinson, who um, is kind of IC's uh, everything, <laughs> and a basketball analyst is what we'll call him, He's called Garrison Brooks borderline defensive savant. And I think that's really important because he's going back to play the four this year. And, you know, um, the four for most places is very different from the four at what Carolina has traditionally had. Um, So I think defensively, I think he'll get some talk for not only ACC defensive player of the year, but maybe even national, depending upon um, North Carolina's record. So there's that. And then offensively, you know, when he first signed to North Carolina, it was he's going to compete with Luke May for the starting power forward position. And I think people forget that because no one knew at that point that Luke May was going to be a starter for the rest of his career, you know, outside of Greg Barnes. Um, so he's been playing, playing out of position. And maybe there's some skills there that he hasn't sh- shown or hasn't had the opportunity to show that he will display this year. So I think he could be in for a pretty big jump. And having someone like Baycott – in the middle. Um, so he's not having to guard other teams fives, I think will, will be a big help for him and also, you know, keep him healthy um, and just help him throughout the season with wear and tear. So I, I guess I'll go with Garrison Brooks just to be a little different. All right, Dewey. Uh, he took Garrison. Who's your guy? Well, it's, uh, nobody's going <laughs> to, nobody's going to take a leap like Bryce took. Let's be honest about that. I mean, he went from a, a borderline ACC player coming off the bench to a, a first round pick in the NBA. And, you know, as Rel said, one of the 10, 15 best seasons that a big man has ever had at Carolina. So let, let's be realistic about expectations here, I think. Um, and, and highlight how truly brilliant Bryce was that 15, 16 year. Um, so I, I don't think anybody makes a leap like that. I think Garrison is going to continue to steadily improve and uh, be terrific for us defensively. Like Rel was saying, you know, if, you, if it's just simply a comparison from one year to the next, we really didn't get a whole lot out of Leakey last year. You know, he got hurt early in the ACC regular season and we never heard from him again. So he's got the opportunity on a relative basis to make the biggest leap because he's going to play a ton of minutes. He's not behind a couple seniors that play the same position. And Coach Williams is going to give him a lot of leeway to learn and make mistakes, which he will because he's effectively – you know, halfway through his freshman year from a games played perspective. Um, So I think statistically and just what we will see from him, not only just in minutes and, and just output on the floor, 
Leaky would be the one for me. But again, I would try to be realistic on on what Bryce was as a senior versus what any of these guys can be this year. I don't think there's really a comparison. Yeah, we uh, we hammered on him quite often, Sherelle, and, and he just went nuts that senior year. And you're right, that game at Florida State, probably one of the most one of the top ten individual performances for a Carolina player, I think. And uh, yep. it, it speaks a lot to to that guy and, and what he put into that senior year. Sherelle, role of Justin Pierce. He's not a guy we hear a ton about, uh, but I think he's going to need to play some important minutes for Carolina. Yeah, I'd say that's TBD um, just because we, you know, we haven't been in, in the practices and we haven't really seen anything outside of the late night with Roy scrimmage, which was the second day of practice, essentially. So you can kind of throw that out the window. Um, but I think they'll need him to to hit some shots from the outside for sure because he has that skill set. Um, I think he's going to have to to be, you know, play pretty tough because the way um, their lineup is, is setting up, uh, depending upon the health of Sterling Manley right now, um, you might have to pencil in Pierce as kind of that backup power forward um, because Walker Miller could get some time at center. Brandon Huffman could get some time at center, but, you know, they have to develop a little bit more. And I think Pierce is probably ahead of them. So he's going to have to play some four. Um, he'll probably have to play some three as well. And I think, you know, more than anything, we talked about perimeter shooting being the biggest question mark. Well, if that's the biggest question mark, then, uh, someone like Justin Pierce, who has shown a propensity as a sophomore um, to to shoot pretty lights out and considers himself a really good shooter, and he needs to come in and be a good shooter. And if he can at least just do that for North Carolina, um, as Dewey said earlier, that will open up a lot of things for Cole, uh, for Baycott in the middle, for you know just the entire offense. So um, I think that's what he can contribute uh, to start. I mean, I don't want to limit him to that as a player, but I think that's the most important thing. If he can come in and be a competent shooter, whether it's in the starting lineup or off the bench, I think that helps North Carolina a ton. Dewey, does Roy Williams change his approach to the season, at least early on with the way the ACC schedule is set up? First game of the season, ACC game, a month later, I guess just about exactly a month later, you're playing Virginia. Uh, I mean, it's just – it's a different setup. The schedule's brutal, as always, out of conference. But does Roy change his plan or, or his structure of how he likes to do things, given the fact that uh, the ACC games are early at first at this season? Yeah, I don't think we know, honestly. I mean, I, there's nothing from an experience perspective I can look back on and, and act like I know. You know, the only thing we can say is we've had plenty of seasons where we opened up with ACC caliber opponents, right? Whether it was a tournament in various different locations or whatever. So we, we've started with tough games early on many times. Uh, it's nice that the first game's at home. I think that's... Uh, that's a benefit since we've got some young guys that are going to play a lot of minutes. But um, I, I wouldn't think it'll be that much different. You know, we have the Villanova game coming up or whatever that is, secret scrimmage, which will be really helpful. And you play the exhibition games. And, you know, one of the nice things about that game being at home is the the moment that the guys get back to the arena for game time, it, it'll feel different because it's a conference game. Those typically those first couple home games, the Smith Center's not totally full. You know you're such a superior team from a talent perspective than who you're playing. And so to roll right out with Notre Dame at home, 
ACC team with a great coach, that'll be different. The buzz in the building will be different. The talent level is different. So I think they'll be more ready than if they were starting with Elon or whoever. So, but other than that, you know, I think just hopefully the guys are ready and give the ball to Cole and let's go. Yep, indeed. They'll have to be ready to go right out of the gate. Last question before we get out of here, and it's for both of you, Sherelle. I'll start with you. Can Carolina be as good as they were last year? And if they are, what has to happen that we haven't already talked about? Mm, Um, That's tough because they were really good last year. And there are points where, you know, you can make an argument they're the best team in the country at at certain points. Um, So I I think – there's nothing we haven't talked about that has to happen. I think as, as you said, as Dewey said, as coach Williams has said, they need leaky to stay healthy. They need cold to be cold that everybody thinks he can be and, and will be. They need Armando to develop rather quickly. They need the grad transfers to, you know, develop quickly as well within one season. They need to build that chemistry and they need to shoot the ball really uh, or improve shooting the ball from the perimeter. Uh, Cause Rogan said they, they haven't done it great so far in practice. So I think all that has to happen for them to be, you know, as good as last year. And that's, that's just going to be tough because I mean, there's three first round picks on last year's team. Um, you know, two guys in the lottery, three first round picks, uh, another guy who was a third team all American. Um, and then a guy who essentially was a three-year starter in Kenny Williams. So, you know, that's that's a lot to lose and, and a lot to replace. And I think expectations that they are um, as good or, or better, a, a lot has to go right for that to happen. Isn't that crazy, Dewey, that people think this team can be better than last year's, given what Sherelle just said? I mean, that is yeah, a tall – that's, that's yeah, a lot of I don't, know. I don't know about all that. I mean, what remains to be seen. Look, obviously I hope so because we want them to make a great run and compete for the ACC championship and – and make a run in the tournament, but boy, they got a lot to prove. Those guys were, you know, especially those three seniors, they'd been through it. Uh, those guys made a ton of shots for us, made a lot of threes, shot the ball great. And Cam Johnson was as good a player as anybody in the country last year, especially those last couple of weeks and, and last month of the season. He was, for my money, maybe the best player in the country or, or damn near with what he could do shooting the ball and defending and what he meant to our team. And it manifested itself in him being a lottery pick. So we, that's, that's tall. That's a tall order in my view, but I think the biggest thing is, and, and Ro mentioned it as it relates to leaky, but ever, we got to stay healthy. I mean, if, if something were to happen and Cole got hurt, we're, we're a little, we're a little thin back there. Uh, if he's not with us and we still got guys banged up, Sterling, obviously, nobody knows when he's coming back. Obviously, the two freshmen, when I was down there, Playtech was nicked up, um, as was Justin. So, hey, look, it's just a lot of questions. And I would venture to say that early on, we may have some frustrating games where it hasn't all come together yet. But don't we say it every year, by about January 15th, January 25th, coaches got them playing got them figured out and they're playing great. They're playing together. They're defending better. They're running better. So let's be patient with them. Let's give Cole some, some time to figure it out. Let's give Armando some time to figure it out. Let's give Leaky, who's only had half a year time to figure it out and hope we still stay healthy and, and can learn from winning instead of having to take some lumps. 
And let's see where we're at February 1. Then let's talk and, and see what we're going to do for those last couple weeks of the season. That's what really matters. And uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that uh, this old coach of ours who's pretty good will we'll have it figured out. Indeed. Good stuff, Dewey. Thank you, Sherelle, for joining us. Uh, it's been a fun podcast right in the middle of football season, but it's always good to talk a little basketball, especially when it's with you guys. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, of course, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Sherelle, Dewey, I'm sure we'll talk a plenty before uh, this calendar year is out and before this basketball season's over with, but I've enjoyed it tonight, boys. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.